Napoleon was not short. It would like the people out. 4,500 feet taller than Everest. After trying to fornicate with a horse. 80% of the time you spin a penny, it will land tails up. Two lovers about to kiss underneath the tree, frozen in time forever. Excuse me, the base of the Pacific Ocean is not on Earth? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, are you ready? I don't know. Well, hello, world. It's another snappy edition of Smart Drivel. I'm your co-host, Kurt Schneider. And I'm John Ellenthal, and this is my favorite time of the week, Kurt. You know what, John? What time would that be? Smart Dribble time, Kurt. And what do you think the drivelers are doing right now, eagerly anticipating the next one coming out? I hope they're listening right now, Kurt. Although anticipation is oftentimes the best part of something. John Keats, Ode on a Grecian Urn. Two lovers about to kiss underneath the tree, frozen in time forever. Never will. Potential. Anticipation. There's that moment where you're standing on the edge of the diving board, but you haven't jumped yet. All unlocked potential. So, Kurt, we have a fun topic picked out today. We're going to talk about common misconceptions, those things that people just believe because they've heard it enough times and it's accepted as truth. But when you look a little bit closer, not true, which is really why they're called common misconceptions. Well, I think it's great. But the one we always heard about swimming, is that true or not? That our moms always told us. If your mom was like my mom and most moms of the time, we were not allowed to swim after we ate for at least 30 to 45 minutes. Was your mom like that? Yes, of course. Well, you will not be surprised to learn that how long you wait after eating has nothing to do with the safety or risk of swimming. But that's one of those things that gets passed down, old wives' tale, accepted as truth, just not true. I'll give you one. Wait, before, why, why do you think that came about? Yeah, I guess is someone came up with a story that people found plausible, like after you eat, a lot of the blood in your body goes from your extremities to your stomach to aid digestion. Uh, you pay a little bit less attention to safety. You would really want your brain to be operating at peak performance when you're in water. That's my best guess. Okay. So now you give me a common misconception that's been out there. Let's play word association, Kurt. I'm going to say somebody or something. And you just give, joke. You give me a few things that come to mind. I say Napoleon. What do you say? Bonaparte. What else do you say? Short little feller. A lot of people believe that Napoleon was short. In fact, there's a thing called the Napoleon complex where people who are short by today's standards act like crazy generals to overcompensate for their diminutive stature. Well, the truth is Napoleon was not short. What? Get out of here. He was a tiny little feller. So Napoleon was actually 5'7", which while that might be short by modern standards, was actually slightly above average in height during the time Napoleon lived. Why would people have said he was short to try to take a little shot at him? So if you're telling me Napoleon was not short, the next thing you're going to tell me is that Catherine the Great did not die after trying to fornicate with a horse. Tell us about the end of Catherine the Great's life, real and misconceived. Misconceived is that she felt she was too good for any man. And so she instead wanted to have carnal relations with an equine, with a horse. 
So the story goes, they strapped this horse in this saddle underneath the horse and was lowering the horse down and the swing broke and crushed her to death. And is that how she actually died? That's the misconception. She probably had dysentery or, or pneumonia or something. Kurt, tell me a little bit about the Garden of Eden and what the original sin was. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that someone tried to make a vodka martini, not a gin martini. I think that was shrewd. <laughs> no sin in that, Kurt. Well, we do know that that's where sibilance came from. But the story, so the story goes, is God created man. And then out of his rib, he created woman. And the woman, Eve, was tempted by a snake to give Adam a apple that was a poison apple. And that gave us original sin because it was all about temptation and wanting more than we actually needed or desired or were told we could have. Did you mention an apple in that long answer to my question? Yes! That was a lot of foreplay on that story, Kurt. So, Kurt, you might be surprised to learn that the Bible does not actually mention an apple. Pomegranate. Not a pomegranate either. In fact, early Christian art depicts a fig, but the apple was later introduced, even though it does not appear in the Bible. There are some people who believe that in Latin, uh, evil is malum, and an apple is called the malice. So that all got mushed together, not to make applesauce, but to make apple the forbidden fruit. I could see that. I could see how that would happen. A common misconception or someone writes something the wrong way. Apparently, on that end, the way they used to write T-H-E in Old English, the T, the script, looked like a Y. They never said ye old, ye this or that. It just made it look like it. And that's why we have ye old candy shoppy. Are you surprised about the Apple thing? I'm not too surprised that Adam and Eve actually happened. So... I'm okay that the apple didn't happen either. I'm asking you, was the story of Adam and Eve factual? But the fact that the story does include an apple, but the source material makes no mention of an apple. But a pomegranate, I believe the story, do you know how a pomegranate came about? I don't know how the fruit came about, but it's an important part of the story of Demeter, Persephone, and Hades. You are right, John! The god of the underworld. So the god of the underworld wanted to marry Persephone, who was the daughter of the goddess of the harvest. And you are good. Demeter wasn't really happy about that. So they ultimately brokered a deal where Persephone would spend half the year in Hades and half the year on earth with her mother Demeter. That's how we really got seasons, because during the time of the year, half the year when Persephone is in Hades, Demeter is not happy, so the weather is not happy, and we have fall and winter. But when Persephone is returned to Earth and she can be with her mother Demeter, the weather is beautiful and the harvest is bountiful. So spring and summer is when Persephone travels the Earth. Now relate that to the pomegranate, Kurt, for the big payoff. The pomegranate, the number of seeds are important. Right? If you eat a pomegranate and you open it up, there are hundreds of seeds. Every day that Persephone's up above, she gets to eat or one person gets to eat a seed. When the seeds are all eaten, she has to go down below. There you go. Where was the misconception in that story, though? There wasn't. I just was thinking about pomegranates because you were talking about apples. So the link there was from apples to pomegranate, as opposed to misconception, the Bible never says apple, to a story about a misconception, which I'll remind you is the topic of today's podcast, Kurt. How do you think we got lemon zest the first time we did it? Yeah, I guess they were trying to figure out how to make the most use of the lemon. 
Kurt, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Are peanuts nuts? No, John. Peanuts are legumes, just like lentils and peas. And now what about a garbanzo bean? Do you call them garbanzo beans or chickpeas? I call them chickpeas because I'm slightly less affected than people who call them garbanzo beans. I like to call them garbanzo beans because I like to say garbanzo. You're looking at an item on a menu in a restaurant in New York City. One describes it as a chickpea concoction, the other as a garbanzo bean concoction. Are they the same price or does one cost more than the other because of the terminology chosen? That's an excellent question. I would say they're the same price because most people do know that they're the same thing. All right, John, I'm going to ask you a misconception. I'm going to say something and you're going to tell me if this is a misconception or not. Go ahead, Kurt. What is the question? Ninjas always wore black. Well, that's one of those things that makes a lot of sense on the face, because if you're doing all ninja stuff at night, you probably don't want to be discovered. I'm going to go with no on the simple basis that the topic of this conversation is popular misconceptions. Excellent deductive powers there, John. Thank you, Watson. Ninjas did not wear black all the time. In fact, they were hired assassins or killers or secret agents, really. And therefore, they had to walk among the rest of us. Well, no, we would just assume that they work in Silicon Valley. (laughs) If they were turtlenecks, they could be Steve Jobs. Yes, or Elizabeth Holmes, who emulated that particular uniform. Kurt, I'm coming at you with a new one. You spin a penny on the table. You know, you twirl it like a dreidel. I'm going to put in terms that your Scarsdale upbringing can help you understand what I mean. So you spin a penny. What percentage of the time will the penny land on tails versus heads? Okay. Am I flipping it like a coin toss? I specifically said a penny spin. You ever flip a dreidel? No, you spin a dreidel. I think flipping a coin is 50-50 because I think even though our minds want us to believe that Okay, out of 100 times, 98 times it's been heads, the next time it's got to be tails. I think that's faulty logic. I believe each time it's 50-50. I'll make you a deal, Kurt. If you answer the question I asked you, I will address that and the coin flip question at the same time. It'll be a twofer, but it does require you answer my question. I would think that one side would come up more than another because of what is imprinted upon it, because it would give more weight to one side. You are <laughs> you are right-ish about the penny spin. Yes. And not right-ish about the coin flips. What? So people do think that coin flips are random, but when this has been tested, it is actually closer to 5149, favoring the side of the coin that is facing up when the coin was tossed into the air. Why? Because it started off in a certain way. You know, when Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, so Chuck Yeager was a fighter pilot in World War II, and they were out in Camp Edwards or whatever it is in like Utah or in California trying to break the sound barrier. And he was given the choice the next day, the chance to go break the sound barrier. But Chuck was one of these uber macho ex-World War II fighters, was out the night before boozing all night long, and he got into a fight with someone. And I think he broke his collarbone and he didn't want to tell them the next day because he didn't want to be lose his chance to be the first man to break the sound barrier. So he got in the plane and he manufactured for himself out of a broomstick. He manufactured for himself a handle so that with one arm, when he got in, he could lock the top so that it wouldn't open and he'd go parachuting out and he broke the sound barrier. 
Kurt, you told that story in the middle of me telling you about coin flips and penny spins. And while it's a charming story, why did you tell that story? Because I was thinking about flipping coins and how Chuck Yeager would have a tough time doing that with a broken collarbone. Well, that's a very logical jump from one synapse to the next. There you go. So sometimes when people think laterally, which we both like to do, you go from like one lily pad to another lily pad in an unexpected direction. You just jumped into a lily pad in a completely different pond with that Chuck Yeager story. Let me tell you about penny spins. You are correct that one side will come up more often than the other. Now, I asked you about penny. And Lincoln's head is heavier, so it's more likely to land face down. Believe it or not, 80% of the time you spin a penny, it will land tails up. Because his big-ass head falls down first. Why don't you tell me a story about the Cold War now? Why would I tell you about that? It's as logical as telling me about Chuck Yeager in the middle of coin flips and penny spins. I'm going to give you another misconception, and you're going to tell me if it's true or not. I'm ready. It's a misconception is by definition not true. Right. I'm going to tell you something that is a thought, and you're going to tell me if it's true or not. You're going to tell me something that people believe and a given. tell you whether it's true or not. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I don't know. Vikings had horns in their helmet. Correct. They did not, Chuck. Of course not, because this is about misconceptions. And do you know where that came from? I was just going to ask you, why do we have this image of them with horns coming from their helmets? Wagner. Wagner with a V or Wagner with a W? Wagner with a W, the very famous German composer. And he wrote in the in 1870s a lot of operas. And one of these operas was about these Vikings. And he his set designer put them in helmets and wanted to do something more and put the horns on it. And from then on, Vikings always had horns in their helmets, even though they didn't really. Who invented the light bulb? The light bulb. Well, I just finished reading this book, so I know it was not Edison, even though people think it was Edison. All Edison did was popularize it and get it going. And there was a huge fight between Westinghouse and Edison. And I think actually someone else actually invented it. And both Westinghouse and Edison tried to lay claim to the patent. The truth is a lot of those inventions in history, we have this image of the lone genius and the proverbial eureka moment, but that is not how things, generally speaking, are invented. In fact, the light bulb was a series of inventions on on top of each other until Edison had the crowning piece, which was um, he was able to come up with a filament that was more durable than the previous filaments. So it it was now a viable product because the light bulb did not burn out almost immediately. So it's a little bit like a ladder and he was just the last, the top rung on the ladder. And that is true across the board. It's much more this concept of a hive mind than it is a lone genius. Hive mind versus lone genius. This is dribble, Kurt. We have to say something once in a while that at least sounds smart. Ah, You and I both know it's not. You always leave that to me, and that's what's troubling. You are the chief dribble officer of Smart Dribble. Other way around. Oh, okay. Yes, tell right. about Chuck Yeager. I already told you about Chuck Yeager. Okay, John, I want you, you're a dad. Dads always say this when they're driving at night. Turn off that light in the back seat. I can't see. It's illegal. I have never, never claimed that having the interior light on in the car is illegal because that's not the case. It does make it harder for the driver to see. That could be a misconception, too. No, like I, I, thing. No, I can tell you from personal experience that when the interior light's on in the car and I'm driving at night, dad, I find it a bit more difficult. Dad, typical dad. So 
Is the Earth round, Kurt? Is it a perfect sphere? Well, those are two different things. Okay, Kurt, focus on the question. I will restate it. Clear Chuck Yeager from your mind. Is Earth a perfect sphere? I ask you this during a conversation about common misconceptions. Yes, it is. It's actually not. Of course not. It's round, but it's not a perfect you sphere. You covering yourself both ways there. That's why I asked. That was lame. <laughs> the Earth rotates pretty fast. It actually rotates at more than a thousand miles an hour. 60% of the speed of a bullet, believe it or not, the Earth rotates. And this rotation kind of flattens the poles and creates a little bit of a bulge around the middle. I guess they call it the middle awesome. equator. Kind of like the bulge I have during my middle age now of eating too much. All that being said, isn't it crazy that the Earth spins more than a thousand miles an hour? I did not know that. That's why you're a part of Smart Dribble, so we can learn things that we really don't need to know, but we're kind of glad we do. How fast do other planets spin? I will leave that to our trusted listening audience. <laughs> Look that up and post it on any of our social media at Smart Dribble or our brand new website at smartdribble.com. Thank you for asking, Kurt. John, the Romans. Not true. They actually were not the Romans. <laughs> the Romans had great feasts. And after the feast, you would go into this room because you were too full. The vomitorium. And you'd throw up. True. And you told that story on a previous podcast, I believe. You know, but then I remembered when I was in Split in Croatia when we were at uh, Diocletian's Palace. And I remember the tour guide explaining that as my younger son and I were making the pantomimes of throwing up, he told us it was not the case. In fact, what a vomitorium was, was a exit or egress or tunnel to get you out of the Coliseum or the stadium, the, the amphitheater, so you could leave underneath quickly. It would spit you out, hence vomit. It would like, the people out. It was a metaphorical vomitorium. It was a form of egress, but not from inside the body, but of many bodies out. Kurt, may I ask you a question? Please, John. Would you tell me the world's tallest mountain, please? Yes. It's not Kilimanjaro, which I've been on top of at 19,341 feet, but it's, of course, Mount Everest, John. Well, since you know so much about the actual feet above sea level of famous mountains, what is the height of Everest? I, I believe it's 26,227 or something like that. 29,035 feet. My brother was actually part of an expedition many years ago, and he was not part of the Summit Assault team, but he holds the family record because I think he was up at like base camp four. He holds the family record for throwing up at altitude. And I don't know that that record is going to be tested anytime soon. But believe it or not, the tallest mountain, if you don't measure from sea level up, but from the base of the mountain to the summit, is actually a mountain called Mauna Kea, which is 33,500 feet, 4,500 feet taller than Everest. However, almost 14,000 feet of Mauna Kea is actually submerged in the Pacific Ocean. So it's not above sea level, but it is taller base to summit than Everest. Has anyone climbed it from the bottom? <laughs> I don't know how you would climb 14,000 feet underwater. I think it would be a little tough. That is a great fact and misconception, but it's kind of a cheat on the misconception, but I get it. Why is it a misconception? There is a misconception that Everest is the tallest mountain on Earth. And but it that's, is. Only, that's only because of how we measure. Is the seabed not part of Earth, Kurt? You said on Earth, which means I'm above the water. 
excuse me, the base of the Pacific Ocean is not on Earth. I don't know if that's Earth. It's not. It depends. You don't wait, know if wait. that's Earth. Do we say, is it with a capital E or a lowercase? It has nothing to do with it. Sure. Why on is the Earth, problem? it is on Earth, but it's not on Earth. How are you possibly arguing, you crazy Chuck Yeager person? You actually are not breaking the sound barrier right <laughs> now. I think you're breaking the stupid barrier, Kurt. <laughs> Why is the seabed not part of Earth? Earth is okay. only what is visible to you? John, speaking about tall things, some I of the know. most amazing architectural feats and engineering feats in the world are the great pyramids of Egypt. The pharaohs ordered them built and would whip people and had them built by slaves. Eh, misconception, John. They were not built by slaves? No. The Nile is on an up and down, it would flood the delta and not. And when it flooded the delta and then came back, there was so much rich food to harvest that people were very busy. At the times it did not flood, there was no work for a lot of these people. And instead of having these people leave to go to other countries, become migrant workers or be, get on the dole, the government, it's kind of like an early works project administration. It's what FDR did with the New Deal, boondoggling, said, hey, we're going to hire you and we're going to pay you and you're going to build these pyramids. And so they did it not only willingly, but with a aplomb because they got paid for it. And it was something to keep them going. Well, I feel better. I mean, I'm happy to learn that they were not slaves and they were not beaten to build that. So that is an important misconception. Let me ask you a question, Kurt. You mentioned that the Nile flooded. The Nile was not flooded. There was land that was exposed. It was not Earth. Is that Earth? <laughs> I knew that was coming. All right, we're running close to the end of this episode, John. We can't end until I ask you a question. When you swallow a piece of gum, Kurt, how long does it stay in your stomach? Forever. And if you, at the same time, swallow the cherry pit, a cherry tree is going to grow in your stomach. I was told that if you swallowed gum, it would stay in your body either forever or for seven years. Those were the only two choices. Not true. Like everything else we eat, about 30 minutes to two hours after we eat, our stomach empties, whether it's gum or not gum. So it is a common misconception that the gum will stay in you for an extended period of time. Well, there's another misconception, I believe, that we remember from our youth, and it had to do with Rod Stewart and collapsing on stage. <laughs> okay, okay, Kurt. All right. I am waving a yellow flag here. Ah! Did or did not Marie Antoinette say, let them eat cake? Of course she did not, because she spoke French. Okay, did she say it in French? No. You are correct. She never said that. She actually was a proponent of feeding the poor. She actually was not made up the way they think she was here. And in fact, she wasn't even in the country when they said it happened. Have you ever accused anyone of being schizophrenic in a playful kind of way, not in a medical diagnostic kind of way? Not me, John. Well, did you ever hear the poem, Roses are Red, Violets are Blue, I'm Schizophrenic and so am I? <laughs> it suggests that schizophrenia, which is commonly defined as multiple personalities, that's what schizophrenia is, but it's not. There's a thing called multiple personality disorder, which covers what we think of as schizophrenia. But schizophrenia basically involves disordered thoughts, psychosis, and delusion, but not multiple personalities. So that whole poem I learned about roses are red ain't right. Should we wrap up, Kurt? Just one last thing. Did or did not... The Emperor Nero, who was crazy, fiddle while Rome burned. He did not. But he did play music on the deck of the Titanic while the ship was going down. Wait a second. Nero did not fiddle because fiddles weren't even invented back then. Fire on the mountain, run, boy, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Let's stop there. 
But as we say goodbye, I would like to encourage all of our listeners in the spirit of defeating common misconceptions to start sentences with conjunctions and feel completely comfortable to end them with prepositions. Both are completely acceptable. Kurt, I've enjoyed our conversation as I always do. Thank you for joining. You can't end a sentence with a preposition? No, I said you can. I said I encouraged people to That's start. I'm saying you can? I don't want to do that. Well, it would sound ridiculous if you didn't. It's totally acceptable. Look it up. In any event, I'm John Ellenthal. He's Kurt Schneider. We, we do will, promise the drivel. We delivered the drivel today. The smart, we're going to have to go back and listen to the tape. It's not really tape, though, Kurt, you know, right? That's a common misconception. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Drivel. Take care, Kurt. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, John. Goodbye. Goodbye.